As you're sitting down, I want you to think about a question really quick. Uh, when I say whatever comes to your mind first, I want that to be the thought, okay? What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Your favorite gift. First thing that came to mind. Tell the person next to you. I'll say it mine. The first gift that comes to mind when I say that, I actually remember getting a bat cave when I was like five or six years old, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever at the time. Not my best gift. That's the first thing that comes to mind. So what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say what's the best gift you've ever gotten? You can talk to each other. First thing. All right. We're warming up. There's coffee in the back for everyone. Here we go. All right. Uh, we're continuing our series on how joy pe pe joyful people flourish. And I'm a little worried today that I'm going to meander. Uh, so that's why I started with gifts. I got a lot of thoughts in my brain, but I want to keep coming back to a certain thought, a certain thing. So I'm hoping if we name it now at the beginning, we'll do that throughout today, okay? So here's my sentence for today. I think it's slide number seven. I want to keep coming back to it. This is it. This is a question from God to us. Did you enjoy the good gifts I have given you? So the question comes, it stuck with me, and so I'm asking it to you. It was in the sanctuary. My dad said this, and I, I've not forgotten it. It's, I think it's actually been changing my life. So he was talking about how in, in, in Scripture there's something, it, it's the day. The day is coming. The, the day is when God comes back, right? The day. All wrongs are made right. Paul says creation, that's us, groans with expectation. We're all, the earth, everything is waiting for the day. So I would argue that every person, regardless of worldview or thought or belief or religion, is longing for the day. We all want what is wrong to be made right. There's some disagreement today, I would say, on what's wrong and right. You can say it in culture, right? We might disagree there. But we all want this day to come when there's no more tears, there's no more selfishness, there's no more pride, there's no more brokenness, there's no more pain. If you read your news cycle, I looked this morning, Everybody wants what's wrong to be made right, and we have a lot of thoughts around that. So we're all longing for the day. But in the other room, my dad said this. He said, so when we think of that day, we think of judgment. So we actually want judgment. We want things to be judged for what's right or wrong. And we think of our sin, which is true. That is, th th those things, what, what, what's wrong is going to be brought before the Lord, and he's going to judge. So it says in here. But he also said in Jesus' day, there's an interesting rabbinical thought. And the rabbis believed you would also, God would also judge you for how well you enjoyed the gifts that he gave you. So I want to keep coming back to this. Do we enjoy the gifts he has given us? I struggle with this. It's way easier to think of all the things that are not good. Right? Amen? You can hear, you might have a great day, right? And one bad thing happens. I'm looking around the room. I know there's all kinds of vocations here. One bad thing happens in the course of a day. What are you going to talk about that night? That thing. And how to fix that thing. You might have had 99 good things happen. One bad thing. And I fixate on the one bad thing. So what the Lord's been doing for me is he's, God's saying, I have given you so many good.
good gifts. Have you enjoyed them? I think of like, I'm a dad. I think when I give a gift to my kid, I just want to see them light up and just enjoy and to play, right? And when they don't, it makes me so sad. So I think that's our invitation today. As we explore our series, the word today is whatever is lovely. We'll get to it, but I want to keep coming back to this. Because I think if we learn to enjoy good gifts, we will enjoy a lot of life. And what's crazy about the good gifts is they're not just for good moments. There are good gifts in the worst moments. I have a memory. And it's stuck in my brain. Yeah, we'll go there. Why not? Kirk had just died. My little brother Kirk had passed away. And I was sitting upstairs in my house in Knoxville. I was living in Knoxville at the time. And my daughter Kai was playing on the floor. And the sun was coming in just perfectly through the window. And out the window was an American flag. My brother Kirk loved America. And the sun was coming in. My wife was playing with Kai. When I needed it, I got a good gift. The situation was still horrible, but what a good gift. So there's good gifts in hard times, and then there's just good gifts in the good times. But I'm afraid that we miss them. I miss them. So since I heard these words in that sanctuary, I think about this all the time. Yesterday, because I was getting ready for today, my wife would attest to this. I was pretty quiet yesterday. And she asked me at the end of the night why I was quiet. And I just, I think I was almost speechless as I watched my good gifts throughout the day. My other brother came and helped me cut down some tree branches. We almost died a couple times, I think. <laughs> it was sketchy. That was a good gift. My brother lives near me, and I got to enjoy him. I got to watch my nieces and nephews play. I went to the Pella Pool, which you can't call the pool in Pella just the pool. It's the Pella Pool. That's what my girls say. And no one else does that. It's the Pella Pool. And I watched them just, I just sat and just watched them swim, learn to swim. I just found myself being very quiet yesterday. Because I just thought, wow, so many good gifts. I just want us to enjoy him. Amen? So today, our whatever, can you give me slide number four? We're right in the middle of this bookshelf. Whatever is lovely. Good gifts are lovely. It's not a word I use a whole lot. Does anyone use the word lovely a lot? Anybody? I don't. You do? Awesome. Like, so I was looking into it, and they said that maybe a word you might use more is it's pleasing. Like, there's delight. You enjoy these things. So the invitation from Paul to us today through the Lord is to, is to we get to think about, ponder deeply, and practice the things that we love, the things that we like, the things that we enjoy, which is not like a normal, I think one of the books we've read as a study guide it's not what we do normally in church, right? I don't know. He said, he said we, we, we tend to fixate uh, 
Well, like, so like it's pleasing, pleasure. Well, pleasure can be bad. It can be bad. We'll talk about that. But there are really, really good things. And, and Paul's saying if you think about those things, if they occupy your mind, we'll begin to have the mind of Christ, which is what this is, all these things, right? And these things that please us, these things that are lovely, the actual, the, the, the literal definition is these things will move us towards love. Literal translation of lovely, move toward love. So we are given good gifts by a good God in all circumstances that if we receive them will move us towards love. We should enjoy these good gifts. We will learn how to love because we will, as we receive good gifts, feel loved if we recognize them in each day, right? A good God, we're going to see the end, doxology, one of the best songs ever. Praise God from whom all, what blessings? Good things flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, heavenly hosts. We're going to praise him at the end because we have so many good gifts because he loves us and we receive them. We move towards, we become people who love because we are loved. So what I want to do today is uh, I'm going to use a passage here in a couple minutes. And we're going to read our, we're actually going to read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Um, but we're going to look at a person who's a gift. And then we're going to assess our people who are gifts. And then we're going to think about practices that help us enjoy those things. All right? But let's open our Bibles. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. You can use your, your phone. You can use whatever you want. And one thing I want to ask you to do is... Uh, um, I've read this book about Tim Keller recently. Anyone know Tim Keller? He's a famous pastor, author, and uh, was so, it's his biography, but it's so interesting. His biography is uh, usually a bi- the biography is about the person, correct? It's, a, it's, a, it's about them. But his is actually all about all the people who made him. Isn't that pretty fun? So it's like it's authors, it's people he's never met before, all these people who have shaped and formed him. But he names one of his favorite people was a teacher. I think her name was Elizabeth Elliot. Remember, right? And she was teaching him how to read the Bible when he was in school. And what they would do was they would, she would read a passage and she would say, now find 10 different things in that one passage. 10 different thoughts, 10 different questions, 10 things that are all different about the same one sentence. They're like, that sounds kind of hard, right? That sounds challenging. They would do it. They'd give him a half an hour. And then she'd say, all right, find me 20 more. And as a class, they would find 30 things that struck them, moved them, convicted them, challenged them about the exact same sentence. Huh? So we've been reading this for a while. Maybe you keep fixating on the same things. I'm going to invite you as I read to ask the Lord, is there something new that you want to show me today? Okay? And I'll say what's been striking me. All right. So Philippians 4, read 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. People of God, it's the word of God. So what's been just, just kicking me in, 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 in the gut, I was going to say something different, I didn't say it, uh, about the passage is, uh, so we're trying to change how we think, right? And it, it makes sense. It's very practical. I feel like every week's been very practical. I understand there's ways to, to think differently. Um, but the part that keeps getting me is that, is that this way of thinking, uh, it transcends understanding, because I, I understand how it should work, I think, as I listen, but then for it actually to work in real life transcends my understanding. It does not make sense. I heard a story about someone recently who's uh, um, working through a health issue, and it's painful. And this person uh, goes into every single doctor's appointment looking for an opportunity Painful treatments, an opportunity to share their hope with the practitioner. Because they know they have this hope, so they're different, they think differently, and they know the person who's going to administer the care to them is going to be surprised at how they respond to the news, how they respond to the treatment. So this person is actively seeking out, while they're receiving treatment, ways to help somebody who's perfectly healthy who's not going to understand why they're hopeful. That is thinking, to me, that transcends understanding. That does not make sense. That is not what normal people think about, right? That's just different. So I, practically, I understand the bookshelf, slide number four. It makes sense to me. But then in real life, for it to happen, I cannot do it. I need someone to help me to do it. So I'm just about life. I'm looking around the room. I see situations in the room where people have acted in ways that transcend understanding. Make, that makes no sense. That's why this is so cool. This way of thinking, as we, as we think, we ponder, we sit in, we, 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 uh, we spend time with God, somehow we become so different that we just naturally do things that are different than everyone else. And that's just mind-blowing to me. I heard a really smart person talk about, actually, a passage just like this. He said, man, this is so fun to, 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 to teach on. So fun. He's brilliant. He did two sermons. He talked for an hour straight in both of them. And he never repeated himself once. He's one of those smart guys. But he said, but to actually do this is so hard. It's easy to talk about. To do it's hard. And I was really filled with hope as he said that. I was like, oh, it's hard for him too. Transcends understanding. That part has just been ringing for me. So Paul, and we're, we're going to come back to good gifts, I promise. We're going to come back to whatever's late. I told you, we're going to meander here a little bit today. But I've been learning about Paul, and I, re I listened to an hour and a half discussion early in the mornings this week uh, by uh, it was two Jewish rabbis and two really intelligent Gentiles. We'll say that. They kept calling each Jews and Gentiles. So Jewish people and people who are not Jews. And they're talking about how we just don't understand Paul. We just, we, we just don't get him. And there's so many parts to his story that we don't understand. Well, I got thinking about Paul. And I wonder, so Paul was a tent maker 
in his day, right? He made tents. That was his vocation. As I explore Paul, I wonder if today, if Paul might not be like a neuroscientist or like a therapist or a counselor, because this guy, if you read his letters, he talks about how we think constantly. Here's some examples. Romans 12, 2. And there's more. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught with regards to your former life to put off the old self, which was corrupted, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and pretension that sets us up, up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every single thought. He is fixated on how we think. Maybe he would be like a neuroscientist. I actually read an article that said Paul knew tons about neuroscience 2,000 years ago. He's, he's amazing. I wonder why is Paul so fixated on our minds? Well, that person I was listening to, these rabbis who were talking, and they're talking, they said, you have to think about Paul. Who was Paul? What did he do? So I learned that Paul would have been, in his day, the chief prosecutor of the court systems of his day. So like the Supreme Court person in our day, Paul was like his student. So any case that came to court, Paul was the chief prosecutor. So he's the one prosecuting Christians in Acts 7. Everyone heard of this guy. This guy's name is Stephen. This guy's name is Stephen gives this incredible speech in front of the court systems. And the court system is so mad at him. They're going to take him outside of the city to stone him. Who prosecuted Stephen? Paul. Paul prosecuted him. Paul said, what you're saying is false. What you're saying is so false, you're going to be stoned. But not only that, Paul had to be the person to give the order. So in his day, I didn't know this, you have the, the, the courthouse in the city. You got stoned outside of the city. So you had to bring the person outside the city. But how do you know if you're inside the court system, if uh, new evidence comes or you want to wait and not do the execution? Like, how would you do that? They did not have cell phones. So it says in Acts 7 that people put their coats down in front of Paul. What that means is to, 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 to signal the court to execute the, the, the judgment, the person next to Paul would raise the coat. That person would raise, see, the person on the city wall would see his coat and they'd raise their coat. And then they would raise their coat for the person inside the court system so they knew that the execution was happening. So Paul, the court cases happen. And it says in here in Acts 7, there was false witnesses, false testimony. Did Paul know about those things? I don't know. But Paul is standing there, and Paul lifts the coat to say, stone him. Right? He gets stoned to death. Paul meets Jesus. Can you imagine? Think about the guiltiest or the most shameful you have ever felt. If you're Paul... False testimony. I now know what he said was, is true. And I said, stone him to death. Shame. Does Paul think I am bad? He did a bad thing. That's guilt. But he said, but, but now I'm bad. How do you work through 
guilt and shame. You have to change how you think. You have to see yourself in a totally different light. You have to understand forgiveness. Actually understand forgiveness. That kind of change in your mind about yourself transcends understanding. Right? I'm thinking about how I can still beat myself up about stuff. And Paul's saying, I know, I know. But you can think totally different. You can see yourself in a totally different way. You can understand the love of God. You can have the peace of God. He can remake your whole mind. Everything that you think. Your whole worldview can change. But only he can do it. But that's why he talks about constantly. You have to renew your minds. You have to know the words. You have to be with God. You have to know his thoughts for you. you have to... It takes time. It took Paul years. He didn't just start just preaching. He probably did, but he learned a lot of stuff on the way. He went away for years trying to understand. This takes time. That's why this, it's kind of, we, you know, enter the church through a different doorway. Is anyone doing this? Walking through a different doorway? I don't want to guilt anyone. I parked in a different place today, a crossover in the parking lot. And we're doing that on purpose right now. We're, this takes time. To, we're parking in different places. You know, we're putting we're right thought and a practice. So we're trying to change how we think and couple it with doing something. Like if you're an athlete or a musician, like a coach can tell you something, but just because they told you doesn't mean you're going to do it. So we're trying to combine. It's, it's a, such a slow process. Things can happen, right? Paul was, he was, he was saved, Right? But then he's over and over and over again. He's reminding people, no, no, no. You just take captive every thought. How are you going to do that? Over time, slowly changing how we think. So, I thought we'd use Paul's letter. Philippians, I want to use Philippians 2, 1 through 13. Back to our statement. Do you enjoy, have you enjoyed the good gifts I have given you? I really think enjoying the gifts that God has given moves us towards love, helps us understand who he is, and will change the way that we think. So, first one. Philippians 2. So if you have any encouragement from being, being united with Christ. We keep saying, slide four, slide four. This is, how he, this is how Jesus thinks. This is what he thinks about. We're trying to develop his mind. And if you are, if you are in Christ, if he is your God, we say that prayer a lot. We're so grateful that God is God and we are not. Amen? I am. My goodness. If that is true, we are united with Christ, Paul says. This is ground zero for his letter. If you, are, if you have any encouragement from being united with him, any comfort from his love, any fellowship, companionship with the Spirit, tenderness and compassion, then make Paul's joy complete by being like-minded. We're all united in Christ. We're all developing the mind of Christ. We are then like-minded. We have the same love being one spirit. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So don't even think any thoughts motivated by selfish ambition. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So let's look at the gift of Jesus. Then we'll move to our people, then move to practice, okay? So who is Jesus? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Our God made himself nothing, taking the very nature of servant, made in human likeness those he made, and being found in appearance as a human, as a man, humbled himself, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Would you agree Jesus' life and death is a gift? It's a gift. It's the gift. Grace is a gift. His life for ours, so we can be with him. It's one of those gifts, it doesn't even make sense, right? It's just so mind-blowing to actually understand. What, my dad always computes like the number of sins you might have in your whole lifetime if you sin three times a day for 70 years. Like, it's like an astronomical number, right? My own selfishness. I'm a very selfish person. Like his life for mine, it doesn't even make, I know it makes, it's, it's, it's kind of like the bookshelf. I get it, but it's hard to even get. It's so big. It is so outrageous. Paul says in one of his letters that uh, for a righteous person, people aren't really going to die. A person who thinks they're righteous, no thank you. For a good person, they might die, right? For a good person, for, one, for my wife, for my kids, I would die. For some of you, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it's just, it's outrageous. It's outrageous that someone would love someone that much. Someone who, it says, is at odds with the way that Jesus is trying to grow his kingdom. Us on our own, we're at odds with him, right? And how we live and our decisions, our pride, like we're at odds. And while we were yet that way, he died. That's just, can we just let that be outrageous? It is so good. I, I can't get over, I read this sometimes, that he made himself into the thing he made. I can't even, like, compute that. What could I make that I could then become? I don't even know. I can't make anything like that. It's outrageous. And then to come in, like, the most lowly way. And it's interesting Jesus came as a teacher. Why would he come as a teacher? What do teachers help us do? think. Who's the evil one? What, 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 what does the evil one do? He's a master of lies. He's a deceiver. He's trying to mess with how we think. And Jesus said, I'm going to fix how you think. That's why I'm going to come as a teacher. So gift, that's the gift. But then he gives us people to share life with. And what I love about Philippians 2, and I can make this as my, this is how I hear it. That each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You get to do the things you love to do. Look not only to your own interests. So we're uniquely wired and made, 
right? Fearfully and wonderfully made. I heard this last week downstairs in the first grade room. You should volunteer down there. It's tons of fun. It's really exciting. But he made us all individually with unique passions and interests and desires, like things that we love to do. And he said, yeah, that's why I made you that way. I want you to do those things. Do them. But not at the detriment of other people. Don't put that in front of people. That was a problem with a lot of the Pharisees, right? They're putting the right thought, the right idea in front of people. Jesus said, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But you get to do the things you love to do. But we should use them for the kingdom. And it's supposed to build each other. It's supposed to move us all towards love. So whatever is lovely, the things that we like, the things that we love, running. Uh, I thought about you the other day because I saw people running. And they run so fast. I always wanted to run fast. Things you love to do are supposed to move other people towards love. So do the things you love to do. I think that's what Paul's saying. Think about them. But think about how you can do that thing to love people, will the good of other people. How much fun is that? Because I made you that way. Do it. And then, after, um, he talks about how Jesus raised to the highest place. Because he's God. So therefore, he says, my friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, continue to work out. Continue to work on. Continue to work out this salvation. Continue to put this, this new way of living, thinking into action in life. That's why I had so much fun listening to, I listened, I listened on the podcast to Tom and Wendy last week. Did you everyone, everyone hear this who, who's here? Work through a marital discussion, yeah. right? It was so fun to hear how they are working out who they are, how they think, how they have different opinions, how they talk to each other, how they don't go to places of guilt and shame, but stay together, and then at the end say, hey, I love you. But that's work. There's, I, I, I was trying to think of a, when it comes to practice, how do you work this out? There's so many ways to work it out. I'm not even positive. But I know that if this is how we think, if we understand who God is, he wants us to understand who we are, we can then work it out at our jobs, in our homes. But we have to work it out. We have to practice. And one of the primary practices is just being with if we get that right, I think we'll figure out the rest. So, good gifts. Final story here, and then I'm going to invite the band up, if I can find it here. Uh, yes. All right. So I was trying to work my way back to Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the end thing. He's, he, he's the thing, right? He's a human, so we, we get how what life looks like, because he looks like us. He had to do things that we did, right? That's why it's so fun that he... He became human, did, lived like us, right? He did all of the things that humans do. He even died and went down to, right, to, to, to I think, the place of the dead, but the paradise. He didn't have to go to hell. But so he lived all of life and came all the way back up. So he experienced every single thing that we experienced. Everything, right? So let's talk about Jesus and how he dealt with this in life. So there's a story about this guy. It's about good gifts. It's in John chapter uh, 5. Um, if you want to go there, it's page 1054. Uh, so there's this guy who's sitting by a, a pool, and he's not been able to move for 38 years. You ever know this story? Maybe you don't know this story. 
So we're not sure why or how, but he is, he is uh, I think they call, he's lame. Um, yes, he's been in condition for a long time. And Jesus comes up to him. He's sitting by this pool because if you don't know, uh, if, you go in the, if you're the first person in the water, when the water moves, uh, you might get healed. So everyone would sit around this pool and you would try to get in the water first. And if you got in the water first, maybe you would get healed. So this person has been trying to do this for a long time. He's not been the first in the water. So Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to get well? And he says, sir, you know, I, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else gets in there first. So I've been trying. I think I've been trying. I can't get in. I can't get healed. So Jesus heals him. He says, get up and walk. Could you imagine? Now that would be a gift, right? That would be a gift. To never be able to walk. To be able to walk. Could you imagine his legs like fleshing out? I actually hurt my leg one time and I couldn't move it for weeks. My leg got so small I could put my hands around like this. It is weird. Like to have, it's literally just skin and bones. It's like the weirdest thing ever. Could you imagine suddenly, legs at work. That'd be wild. What a gift. Whoa. But I was thinking about today, that's a good gift. God wants us to enjoy the good gifts. But sometimes, uh, I don't know, I think we can forget where the gift came from, which is the problem. Did you enjoy the good gifts I gave you, God said. So later, Jesus finds this guy. He, Jesus goes back to find him later at the temple. And I, don't, I can't remember if Jesus has done this to anyone else. He goes to find him. Because something has happened between the time of his healing, I think, I think, and when he found him, where Jesus looks at him and says, see, you're well. Different translation. This one says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. A different person said, stop doing what you're doing. So you are healed. You've received this really good gift. But Jesus said, I, but that's good. That's a good gift. That's a good thing. But something's wrong up here, I think. He's like, you're, you're thinking in a way that isn't good, though. Or maybe it's the way that he's presenting this, his, his, his healing. I'm, I'm not sure. But I think Jesus approached him and said, hey, these are really good gifts that I'm giving you. you got to know that I'm doing it, though. And I did it for you. You didn't do it. So enjoy the good gift. I wrote something down at the very beginning. The thing about gifts is that when you've gotten a gift, it is way easier to share a gift if I think I earned it, I'm not very good at sharing. That makes sense to anyone else? If I earned it, it's mine. I did it. But if I got a gift, surprise, oh, I'll share it. So I'm inviting Dale, come on up. So I'm just going to, I told you, I'm going to come back to it. Have you enjoyed the good gifts that I've given you? In all situations, in all circumstances. I'm telling you, if you think about this, your day will be different. Good moments and bad moments. Your priorities will shift. The way you give your time will shift.
the way you give your resources will shift. Praise God from whom all gifts, blessings flow. It changes everything. So I want to invite you, invite the elders up. I could, you know, that was, come to the table. That is a good gift. Jesus said, I, my body, broken for you. My blood, spilled for you. Take, eat, remember my good gift. Same point in time in worship. Come forward, receive that gift. Remember his gift. It'll change how we live with people. It'll change then what we do. Amen? God, we're just, when I think about what you've done, when I hear a song about, about what you did, what you chose to do, about your deep love for us, that nothing, that nothing, that nothing can separate us from your love, not height nor depth, I mean nothing in all of life, not angels nor demons, nothing. There's nothing that can separate us from, from you. Knowing who I am and knowing what you've done, it just makes you want to just, ah, just get this, just shout. Wow. Thank you. Man, I'm glad you're God and that we're not.